Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. We have a wonderful episode for you guys. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But first, I wanted to swing by and make a very, very, very important and very, very, very exciting announcement, which is that I have just launched my first ever astrology retreat. It is going to be taking place from May 1st through the 3rd, and our home base is going to be the high desert of California. Um, We are going to be staying at a spa resort called Two Bunch Palms, uh, where we will have pool and spa treatment and all organic food, Um, and we are going to be going on stargazing tours. Uh, We are going to go to the Integratron for a sound bath. We are going to work together as a group um, to really dive into our birth charts. We are going to have one-on-one sessions. We are going to have a cosmic cocktail party, and it's going to be absolutely extraordinary. Every single detail of the trip has been considered. Um, It is going to be truly a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and as I am recording this, we are at 75% capacity. Um, I introduced the retreat first to the Constellation Club, um, which is an online community that you should, of course, join and be part of. Um, And 75% of the spots are now reserved. So if you are listening to this, be sure to grab your spot. You don't want to miss this trip. It is going to be everything and more. I'm, I just can't wait. I've been really rattling my brain trying to think of what is going to be the best way of building this community IRL. And we came upon this and it's just, ah, it's going to be so good. Okay. So that is my important announcement. And now without further ado, here we have stars like us. Um, we are, we're back in the flow of, of our cosmic podcast. Um, I'm here with my amazing guest. She's a Virgo. She is a Taurus moon. She is a Gemini rising. And her name is Lisette Calvado. It is so nice to meet you. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So I, as I do with every guest before we start uh, recording, before we get mic'd up, I ask how you would like me to introduce you. And it's amazing because every single time I ask that question, there's always like a, oh, God, I don't know, like with every guest, um, primarily because I talk to people who are sort of doing a lot of different things and also don't want to be put into a box. Um, But I think what's really interesting is that so much of the uh, way that we need to create right now is sort of putting ourselves in a box. So there's this inherent contradiction between not wanting to be defined, but then also needing to define ourselves. Um, But we we defined you right now as a content creator and a social strategist. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and and what these things mean and and how you got to be a content creator and social strategist? Yeah. And I actually should have been PR and social strategist because I still do a little bit of both. So my journey, I was in true Virgo form, like this is what I want to do when I'm 15 and I will keep doing this and I'm going to make this my major. And that was actually PR. So I studied that. 
got a job during college at a PR agency, which helped me get really great jobs straight out of college. I was already two years deep with actual experience. And I wanted to do that for so long. But then when I got into about three to four years just doing that, at the time I was like, this is actually not really what I want to be doing because it was so contingent on building relationships with press and people. And that wasn't really what I like to do. I was more of a practical, strategic person. So this idea of my client's story depending on my relationship with someone mm -hmm. was really unsettling. So I thankfully started doing social um, when I was still working in PR. And at that time, the word blogger was a thing. Influencer was non-existent. This is about 2014, 15. And I was the token millennial they used to call me at the office who knew social who understood all these like very small things so then I became what we call in our industry a hybrid so I was doing PR and social everywhere I switched agencies still kind of doing a little bit of both and and you're doing it for clients at this point yes so okay, cool. I was always agency style so I had about two to five clients at a time that I was doing these things for and eventually and the clients are bloggers themselves or were they brands or yeah they're all brands okay yeah so they're all major brands my entire career i've mostly worked with national brands in totally different genres so started in travel working with hotels like hard rock hotels then i went into cpg um, which is like a lot of the stuff you would buy in a store like food and snacks sparkling water <laughs> and i was always doing it for things because doing PR or social for people just wasn't something I even considered an option because people weren't doing that for themselves that much. There was a point in 2015 where the agency I was working for, they had put me as a spokesperson for a lot of our brands that didn't have a spokesperson that could go on air on TV at a given time and talk about themselves. So we offered that as a serving and as a service. And I was also the only Spanish-speaking person, so I was doing a lot of TV work. And in doing these, you know, segments on air, for example, like what to give your mom for Mother's Day, and there's four things. One of them is our client. I started to gain a social following. I started to gain a social presence. So again, the word influencer wasn't really a thing, but I just thought, oh, I could like gain a lot of visibility using social. So that was always like the side thing I was and doing. And when you were thinking, I'm gonna gain a lot of visibility through social, was it, what were, was it because you were interested in at eventually pivoting that into something of your own? Or what was like, when you were seeing that you were having, you know, building this following for yourself, how are you visualizing using that? Or was it just because you're like, I want to be known. I like people paying attention to me. A hundred percent at that time, and we're still talking like 2015, it was like, this is cool to be known. Yeah, yeah. And I think social allowed me to, what I thought, control my narrative. Mm -hmm. Like I was putting out what I wanted people to think of me versus someone meets you and makes a first impression, which fast forward, I don't believe in that so much anymore, but certainly at the time, it was this idea of controlling your own brand. Mm -hmm. So I was, to your point, you know, doing PR for all these companies and products and brands. Now I could do it for myself. And that was really cool. I felt like I was in a lot of control. Cool. And then how did it, how did that end up becoming your primary focus? Yeah. 
So it wasn't up until I would say two years ago is as early as I started monetizing my social presence. And I say social presence because when I started monetizing, it was probably what people think like an influencer gets paid by a brand, makes money off of it. And I used to take a lot of free product because people would people offer all the time. They're like, hey, you with a social following, no matter how big or small, take my product and review it. And I was like, that's cool. Um, and then I realized that someone actually wanted to pay me money to say something about their brand. I was like, that's cooler. And I started to monetize it. Um, I would say without a strategy, just kind of like, oh, this seems like a cool opportunity in my eyes or a brand I'm already using. And I would do these collaborative posts. Um, this is around 2018. And then last year, so 2019, was the first year that I solely transformed my online presence into you know a formal LLC. I wasn't just doing sponsored content for brands on social, but I might have been serving as talent for an ad that they're doing, not even showing up on social, but just doing that. I was consulting, so I had freelance clients where I would help them create a social presence. I also dabbled into life coaching. So it was, it's funny you mentioned putting things in a box. The first time I was like out of a box and doing just a bunch of things for myself. And I just kind of started to harness like, what did I actually like doing from all these options of things I was doing? And turning my side hustle quote into the main hustle. Mm -hmm. And this whole time I still also had an agency job, but I was solely an influencer strategist. So what that meant is for these brands that I was working with, where back then I was doing a little bit of everything communications. Now I was only telling them what influencers they should be working with, how to work with influencers, developing contracts and just all this back end stuff that brands need to do before they even work with anyone on social. So I was unique because I was on both sides and brands that I worked with love that, whether they were using me as an influencer mm -hmm. or as a consultant strategist, because it's this wild, wild west where a lot of people are just kind of doing things without strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very just analytical person, practical person where <laughs> Virgo sign. Yeah. Like I fight for even like benchmarking the industry, coming up with ways to measure what the success of an influencer coming up with ways to create a formula of how to work with brands as an influencer. So I was just trying to really formalize this industry because I do believe in it and at the root uh, at what we want to use it for. And that's been kind of my last year was just this. I call it the question mark year because I was answering a lot of things for myself, harnessing what I really cared about. And now 2020 is, you know, me going into this new space of self-employed because I'm doing a lot of freelance work as a strategist for a lot of social, some PR work and harnessing my own brand and building that. So something that I really appreciated when um, I was Googling you and trying to get all the information on who you were before this episode is this really interesting um, interview that you did with the New York Post. Um, was it last year or was it the year before? 2018, the year before. So in in 2018, you did this interview with the New York Post basically talking about the title is like obviously very New York Posty and salacious, like how I went into financial ruin or something very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what, you know, struck me was the fact that I think that there is a lot of lack of transparency surrounding uh, what it costs to be a content creator, 
um, how to, you know, what what it means in order to live and maintain a certain lifestyle. And in this in this interview, you were talking about the fact that you were like, yeah, I was being this person uh, for the gram and yeah. for my social, but it was actually like the reality was is that I was actually uh, going into debt and I was really scared of my future. And you were also a Taurus moon, which is all about stability and structure and feeling like you can support yourself. Those are integral things to that lunar placement. That's how you feel. So I would imagine that you are also feeling horrible Mm -hmm. throughout that time. So a couple of questions. One is how did that interview come to be in the first place? Um, How do you feel about it now? And then can you tell us also sort of, I guess, in a non-New York Post way, your story with that? Yeah, it's funny. You're talking about the headline because that's what made it viral was that clickbait piece. Yeah, I, I know. How and it's work. so, uh, you know, at the time I was, headlines all sound like they are porn headlines these days. Always. I'm like, <laughs> right. Is that it's me? like, are you sure? <laughs> um, so when this article, when I was being interviewed, I remember, you know, a lot of the questions first started about tell us what what your story is as it relates to finance and it was hard to answer because at the time when you're spending a lot of money above your means, because it's not like I was spending and it wasn't hundreds of thousand dollars in debt, but it was above my means. You don't think that you're doing it for any reason. You're just doing it. So it was a really cool reflective experience to think about why was I actually doing that? Or why did I have to post where I was eating every five minutes and like spending $10 on matcha and banana bread because I wanted to post on Instagram about it. And I think the experience being so reflective was great, but you could tell that they were trying to make and, you know, serve the angle of influencer is terrible and everything you're seeing is a lie. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that's a hundred percent true. So, you know, when you read the whole New York post story, it's like she was in debt because of these things, but she came out of it and the, but she came out of it. No one ever reads the part that went viral is the influencer goes into debt. And they were trying to make like a X equals Y relationship between that. Yeah, they had a very specific angle and story they wanted to tell. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you're an influencer, you must be spending money. And like any business, you are spending money. So, you know, even if you're not doing a social media driven business, you've probably invested $10,000 into your brand. The problem is that it's hard for people to see influencers like a business and like a brand. So after that article went out and worldwide viral, I remember it was around the time that Kylie Jenner showed her first picture of Stormy and there was a Turkish newspaper because people would send me photos and DM me like across the world when I would show up. Little tiny picture of Stormy, half a page with all my pictures from Instagram on the front page of this Turkish newspaper. And I was like, all right, Kylie, like beat you there. Um, (laughs) But I, I think it's, you know, after that wave, went away and I remember when I started seeing you know my I had like two million visitors to my Instagram because you know you can see your profile visits I would laugh it off and I was like you know I know my truth I'm not phased by what people are saying but then I started to see the think pieces reacting to these viral headlines like Forbes saying the real dangers behind mental health and social media and all these other like in-depth stories started to worry a lot of my immediate circle. Like my parents, I remember, were thinking, are you going to get fired from your nine to five job because people are seeing this? And 
my employer was kind of uncomfortable with the fact that it was going that viral. Mm -hmm. And then it definitely started to get to me. I remember I was at a get together um, one weekend, like at the peak of all of these think pieces going around. My mom called me freaking out because she had read something and was nervous. And I ran out of where I was and I started crying my eyes out, which I never do. I'm like not an emotional person. And I recorded a series of stories that I never posted, but I did talk about them very recently where I was like, you know, I can't believe the way people treat people online. Like we are real people, regardless of what you think of my story, what you're saying hurts. And I recorded all these things. It's like 20 story frames because I didn't know how to say what I wanted to say, but it definitely got to me. And then that actually really helped shift my perspective on when you're authentic online, like you can't really control what people react back to. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's kind of the beauty of it because I got to see like, why are people so triggered by this? Because a lot of people are dealing with this Mm -hmm. and they're projecting, you know, what they think about social media onto someone else who they're able to like put on a pedestal and talk about. And it was just a huge perspective shift for me. After that whole little mini breakdown, I was so I felt like a weight had been lifting off my shoulders because if everyone was talking about me and making stuff up about me online, I'm free. I can say whatever I want to say, my whatever truth I want to say, because like every the worst is out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually felt really great about it after. And, you know, projecting that positive energy, I Good Morning America called. And they did a whole segment on, you know, the the true story, you know, in their own little glamorous way. But <laughs> that was really nice because that's the last of it. After that, that story was really focused on how this girl with $10,000 of debt, which, by the way, was an estimate. <laughs> also, I mean, I, it's that's nothing. I know. Like, <laughs> loads are double Who that? doesn't have $10,000 in debt? Right. I mean, like that's. Yeah, it was that's so. That's just also being in your 20s. Exactly. I remember saying that number as an estimate and I was like, I don't know, that, that sounds normal. So the, the Good Morning America story was like, and how she got out of it was like the focus. So that was really nice. After all that, as you can imagine, I had so many people asking me for financial help. And I was, you know, I've, I've always been imposter syndrome around giving people advice because I feel like I never want to prescribe someone something and then it goes wrong. But I realized that what people really want to hear is just a story because they want to relate. They want to know that they can get out of it. They want to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So I wasn't afraid of telling my story, not just the financial story, but moving forward, whatever I had to say just felt so easy because it was my story. And I knew that if people like that's that's as worse as it can get. And I handled it so I can tackle anything else. Totally. Yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, a big thing that I see and I have to be very careful. I think this is um, a human instinct, but social media also preys on this is like following people because you resent them Mm -hmm. and you want them to fail. And I feel like, I don't know, the spirit of that piece was like, look at this dumb, dumb, Mm -hmm. like look how stupid this is to like do all this shit. But it's, it's, it was so rude. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so like, um, it preys on people's instincts to like hate follow or yeah or want to watch somebody fall from grace um you know there's a lot of people i think out there behind their anonymous uh, accounts and more than ever do i see more finsta accounts than in the past yeah. 
I mean, people when we say people are hiding, like they're really legit hiding. Yeah. Um, who are just so obnoxious and like make these snarky comments yeah. and just get so bitter. Um, but the fact that you know, I I would imagine it's jealousy that they want to be buying, they want to have a matcha, or they want to go on vacation, right. or they want to look cute, whatever. And that fuels then this like we hate influencer culture. Yeah, but we also are of an influencer culture. That mm-hmm. is how, I mean, for better or worse, that is the way that the the president was an influencer. You yeah, know? we voted for an influencer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is how reality TV sort of was taken into the hands yeah. of the individual. Um, is that you know we like we want to see real people's stories, but yet we resent them simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, I think I think anything that you want to know about society right now is sort of reflected in the relationship that we have with the Kardashian-Jenner family. Yeah. The Kar-Jenners, as I've yeah. heard they're called. is like, we hate them, but we are obsessed with them. A hundred percent. And it's it's really dangerous. Uh, I would imagine that it's it can be really scary for you to yeah. be out there and putting yourself on the internet and have to deal with managing all of these, like, haters. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, when the article went viral, I was even getting death threats. What? Like, yeah. About it's so unnecessary uh, yeah. to death threat. I remember. I, I still have some screenshots saved because I was like, I might need to have this in case the police gets involved one day. But people were like, like, I'm. You're so stupid. Like, you fucking broke, bitch. Like, we're gonna kill. Like, it was really scary at one point. So what I actually did about a month in, you can actually block keywords in your comments, and I blocked debt broke. And like, bitch. And then I never started to see those comments again. But who knows if people were trying to send them because I was like, are you serious? And then I started to think a lot about just cyberbullying. And if this is me, some random girl that went viral and people are just deciding to talk about. Imagine people who have a much bigger social presence and are hearing these things every day about just things they hate about them. So that yeah, is crazy. It was really scary. It's so scary. And yeah. so dramatic yeah i'm like guys it's just credit card debt (laughs) that i don't have anymore scroll down right (laughs) scroll down and then also like you have it too yeah who doesn't have some credit card debt who i mean even if you like don't have credit card debt hopefully then you are buying a house and then you take out mortgage like it's okay debt's a part of life we have student loan debt yeah what's the deal (laughs) and i I always used to say like guys i still have student loans um right i I went to college it's okay (laughs) so so crazy it was just so insane to me and um one of the interviews i gave i said i think it went so viral because your point people were just waiting for this gotcha moment on social media they're waiting to validate that social media is an awful place and everyone sucks and influencers are the worst and so they're not completely wrong. There's some people on some places that are the worst, but that's not to me the majority or at least the purpose of social media. I still truly believe that it was made to connect us and to help us discover and to help us like meet new people, but we just have to use it the right way, which mm-hmm. a lot of people, I would say the majority, and I'm not an angel when it comes to this. There are some days where I'm still challenged by this. We don't do that enough. But I just knew that after that went viral and after that happened, I was like, I'm going to make it my mission to just help people be more authentic online. And it, it's been great, especially people after the wave of evil. <laughs> I call it like the evil wave, the good wave. You know, after a few months in, the people who stayed and the people who stuck around were always people just engaging with me, talking about their issues, not just financially, but with perception and 
the pressures of social media and how are you able to like let go of the pressure of wanting to be a certain person online i'm like i, I don't know i'm just myself so mm -hmm. yeah it was it was really nice after all of that um so i guess despite how scary it was for a moment it was super rewarding and i'm glad it i'm glad it happened I'm, I'm fine with it and of course i did gain followers from that i got about five to ten to ten thousand more followers ten thousand number follows me everywhere so i remember just thinking like there's a lot that i can do with this now and encouraging people to build their own businesses online helping people validate the influencer industry was like very important so yeah that's kind of what i focused on the last few years so speaking of the social media industry and social media presence um, big question is how do you take pictures? And what I mean by that is not like whether you, how like the inches of distance that you hold mm -hmm. the camera at an angle, but do you hire a photographer? Do you ask people to take pictures of you? I couldn't even, you know, way back in the day when I was studying abroad, when I was 19 years old, I could barely ask people to take pictures of me in front of like a monument. Um, so I couldn't imagine mm -hmm. like, well, that's why I'm asking, I guess. <laughs> How do you take pictures? It definitely depends where I am and what the purpose of the picture is. And what I mean by that is there's this evergreen content that I'm just creating for myself and, you know, to have content to serve my audience that I'm super flexible with. So I always had photography as a hobby. So I do a lot of photos myself. I tripod like, the actual camera, the actual tripod. Do you I've, have an actual camera? Or? Yes. I've always had a, a DSLR. Okay. Um, so very prof now, I mean, and I'm like, I've had five lenses. I'm just really into photography as a person. So, and I don't think that's a necessary, but that's just me. It's a hobby. And I always, even before just like the big Instagram thing, I would take photos with my DSLR propped up somewhere. You know, they're really dramatic. You're like, 16 but in your backyard like oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah yeah so I, I I had always done that stuff and I do a lot if it's home content I've probably done it all myself just on my tripod um I now have gotten so comfortable and this came from traveling with my tripod I will prop my tripod on the street like I live in theater district Times Square area and take pictures of myself with my remote and not really care um, so my rule is like, as long as I'm not disrupting someone or putting people in danger, like I would not do this in the middle of the street, then I'm happy to go and do it myself. I don't ask strangers to take photos for me only because I like don't know who will be bothered by something like that, because I do feel like there is a sensitivity around people just don't like people taking pictures. Totally. Which I think is kind of bizarre because to your point, people have been doing it forever, whether or not there was social media. Um, but I don't ask strangers and then if I'm doing a campaign that's paid I will usually unless it's something I know I can do myself hire a photographer a friend or other content creators and I will you know trade for each other I'll take some sponsored content for you you take some for me my boyfriend helps a lot Justin um, and then if he is helping me or if a photographer is helping me I always pay them so that's just part of like an expense that I know I'm gonna incur because they're it's I'm getting paid for it. They should be paid for it. Totally. So yeah, it's it's pretty much just depending on the purpose. So now going back to the the finances of it all, mm -hmm. how much do you get paid for different sponsored content? Yeah, it fluctuates by category. And right now, I would say 
the easiest way to explain this is when a brand reaches out to me, they usually already have a budget in mind. So they'll say, hey, we want you to do an Instagram post and we're able to offer $400. And then I look at that and think, you know, they'll tell you everything that's going to be a part of it. Am I going to show up to something? How much time is this actually going to take? Am I going to have to buy props? Am I going to have to, if it's beauty, create a whole look? And I'll take that into account. There is no perfect formula, but I always tell people your follower count, like a penny per follower, right? So let's say I have 40,000 followers. $400 should be your bare minimum to get paid. But that should not be what you ask for. So for me personally, it's hard to say like one rate. I look at the whole package because if a brand is asking me to just do an Instagram post, it's not going to be worth my time unless I'm getting paid, you know, like 600 to $800 is what I always ask for. And that's pretty low. And that's for a single just a post single. in the grid. Yeah, just a single post in the grid doesn't include them reusing my images because a photographer would pay would charge at least $200 for their image to be reused on a magazine. Right. So that comes into account. A lot of times they'll ask as part of their deal, like, we also don't want you working with any of our competitors for two months. Well, I might lose some business if I did that. So add an extra $300 to that. So there's, I always say like, I start at six to 800. These days I pretty much start at 800 and then it's always built from that. So I can't remember the last time someone like very just wanted one post with nothing to do with it. And that's it. So you start, you, you start your negotiation, say, okay, cool. If you want a single post in my grid, it's $800. Is that all you want? And then they're like, no, we want exclusivity we want stories like yeah so I actually always ask these questions knowing again the back end working as a like for clients helping them work with influencers my response after I hear their pitch is hey well I usually give them a package of what I think will work so for example this beauty brand they really want to drive clicks uh, to their website they really want to drive discoverability people can't click on an instagram post so i recommend actually we should probably do instagram story series and when i do story series my best stories are when i'm just raw in front of the camera with no branding so i'm going to give you this and the really pretty videos that you want me to post in my story and i think you should do a blog post because keywords and google seo is really important for you so I give them this whole package and like a, a price for all of that. And they usually say, we really like that. That makes sense. It's a deal or we don't have enough budget for that. But let's remove the blog post and we're going to meet somewhere in the middle at like nine hundred or a thousand dollars. So it's a really collaborative negotiation. And I think a lot of the reasons why I pretty much close every deal that I pitch back is because I take into account what the brand is really looking for. And I ask them like up front. Uh, hey, by the way, if you're going to reuse my content in digital, meaning you're just going to post it on social media, maybe on your website, I charge this fee. But if you think you might use it for traditional advertising like Billboard, which has happened to some influencers without them knowing, mm -hmm. read your contracts, um, then my fee is X, Y, Z. Do we need to talk about royalties? There's just a lot that really could be talked about. And a lot of managers will do this for influencers. So I just don't have a manager because I know how to do these things myself, but many influencers have these conversations via a third party. Um, but it's, it's, it's a business. So you're negotiating, you're contracting. And if you treat yourself like a business, you will get those bigger deals. Mm -hmm. um, 
And do brands find you or do you pitch brands or both? It's a little bit of both. I would say I always recommend it's pretty 50-50, but just because I've always worked with a nine to five and this was the side hustle, I was mostly reached out to by brands is how I got deals. Got it. If I wanted to be a part of something or start to build a relationship with a brand, that was about 10% of the time, just given the time I had to give. That was me pitching them. But those I usually don't get paid for because I'm trying to build a relationship with them the first time. Mm -hmm. Or for travel, for example, travel bloggers don't really make a lot of money because they're just getting a lot of free stays and stuff. But if I knew I wanted to travel to a really cool place, I might do outreach to hotels, to local tourism boards, just to find a way to work together. Mm -hmm. And you recently, so as of 2020, or I guess last year, wh or when did you decide that you were going to turn your business into an LLC and like, yeah. and you're not, you're no longer working a nine to five. This is your full-time job. Yes. Well, not just content creation because I spend about 30 to 40 hours a week with consulting projects right now. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I actually turned my, and not just my Instagram, but I formed an LLC in December of 2018. Okay. And that was because of taxes, because that year I had already started making some money. I think that year I made like six grand off of deals, right? So just one-off things. And I was like, oh, I have to pay taxes for this. So I should probably formalize it. I should probably feed it into something. And also when you're working with brands and you're getting paid, you have to give them a W-9 in your social. So I wanted to have a EIN. Yes. So like the yes. employer identification number. Yes. So for those <laughs> listeners who don't know... It's if you are going to be planning on working with as with any vendors, mm -hmm. definitely get an LLC with an EIN number so you're not throwing your fucking social number all around town because they really do not need it. But it is so customary to ask for it. They need some way of like legitimizing or proving the fact that you are a person but if you have an entity if you have an LLC you don't have to give the social security number which is obviously a very important uh, piece of your privacy and confidentiality and mm -hmm. uh, fraud issue yeah. <laughs> um, you know so a lot of times you're giving your information to like an intern or someone in the company very junior so it's good to have this <laughs> A, you know, official LLC so that you're not giving your personal information everywhere. And that's partially the reason why I started it. And then in 2019, like I mentioned, treating myself like a business helped me become a business. Yes. So I was using uh, QuickBooks all year. I was using all these things. I was investing into my business monthly by using project management services, by using analytics, uh, you know, paid analytics to understand my audience, paying for website development. So all these things that traditionally people would do to grow their brand, I was doing for my question mark brand because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to say, I'm a influencer, I'm a content creator full time. I just knew that I had to put it all in one place. So my blog name is Marketable Millennial. And I started that sounds like some good SEO. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> why I did that. I was like, everyone calls me the token millennial. So I'm going to call myself the marketable millennial. I love it. And I'm going to show people how to market themselves online as like basic as it can be. And not just like how to start my resume, but how to talk about myself. Yeah. In development. But I ended up calling my LLC marketable. And 
then that year, so if we're looking at the timeline, 2018, I had a, a few partnerships. 2019, a lot of people would come back and, and start working with me. Also, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people don't believe when you're a micro-influencer. I think last year I had about 30,000 followers to 40 that I just made now. You can still make a lot of money. So last year, I was tracking to make my first New York salary. Um, I mean, in full transparency, just here, I made more than $60,000 off of just partnerships and a few freelance gigs with consulting. And I did some photography work where I would do photography for brands. So all these like side hustles gave me a pretty livable salary in New York. So mm -hmm. I thought if I can live in New York like that when I first moved here, because I moved here at that kind of mid-level in my career, then I can definitely live in New York doing any of this full time. Right. And I just decided to take a chance in myself, which I would never have done before um, because I always thought like, I need the stability. I need the W-2. Virgo, Taurus, shit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I need health insurance, which legally you do, plug. Um, but I just thought, technically, the stability I'm looking for is fake because uh, my job could fire me tomorrow if they wanted to. Yes, it <laughs> is um, a very important thing to recognize the fact that I think a lot of people you know, feel like if they are working for a company that they have security and stability, but you don't, you know, yeah. certainly there are some, you know, like in finance and in some industries, like they, if they have enough money, they'll be able to offer like a severance package, mm -hmm. but insurance, you're going to then be offered Cobra if you get laid off or fired. And Cobra is like fucking 900 damn dollars a fucking yeah. month. So like, that's not sustainable. Nothing is certain. Exactly. Nothing is certain. So you know, looking for stability, I realized that the only person who could offer and define stability was myself. And said. yeah, and so I that's what I'm doing now. I'm I'm doing all these, you know, and we're still in January. I don't know how we still are because it feels like this month has been forever. But when I manifested, I made the decision I was going to leave nine to five in quotes um, around winter. I mean, the beginning of December, really. So around fall and I didn't build the guts to like actually do it up until before the holidays. So of just this past year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my right God. Now. Yeah. So like very recent. Holy moly. This is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so, going to have to have you back in a, like six months yeah. to see how everything is tracking. Where are because they now? <laughs> I'm, yes. <laughs> exactly. We'll do a follow up to yes. the New York Post piece. Yeah. <laughs> how that bitch became rich <laughs> i love that's a great headline i would watch that porn video um it, it's funny because someone actually recently commented i mean i still get comments and dms about this story it, we're two years deep now but they keep for seo purposes repurposing or re-headlining it and then it shows up in like people's timelines or like boardpanda.com will post oh, it God. yeah like the chive so <laughs> i i get random dms and last week someone said someone commented on a picture oh imagine going ten thousand dollars into debt for this and i commented back imagine making ten thousand dollars a month from this ah! <laughs> <And> <laughs> they were like Gee. yeah it was a finsta they never wrote back i can't find their profile anymore um but it's it's crazy because i so i manifested this whole thing I told my current nine to five, like, hey, guys, I want to go 
self-employed and because the way the industry is moving just communications a lot of people do hire freelancers now to do a lot of the work because brands are no longer saying i want a whole program for a year they're like we want a cool stunt that lasts three months to execute and agencies can't really hire and project that way so they hire a lot of freelancers all the time so job opportunity for anyone in communications freelancers are the thing and I told them that if anything, you know, I didn't want to let you guys down, but I could be a freelancer for you. And they were like, that sounds really cool. We're really excited for you. And then all these things being so, quote unquote, easy. I was like, wow, this was supposed to happen. <laughs> this is the rule of the universe. Honestly, when you're supposed to be when you're in the right place, when you're moving in the right direction, the universe green lights it. Yeah. And when something starts to just roll really easily, um, it should be a sign that you are on the right path. Yeah. And oftentimes we are our worst enemies with that. Yeah. If things start to move easily, we're like, well, that was just luck. Like I'm not going to be able to maintain uh -huh. that. But like, no, if things start moving easily, they will continue to build. That's called momentum. Yeah. And like, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> we are here for it. I. It's funny because January I thought was going to be this like, cleanup month where I was going to organize myself to then put myself out there and I landed my first like huge consulting project this month that's going to take me through March congratulations I, yeah and like this vision that I had to your point I'm just kind of rolling with momentum I'm like riding this roller coaster and I remember thinking like oh, I'm going to take a cool break now I'm busier than I've ever been <laughs> but I think it's in the right direction busy where I'm just again building my self my brand these um i'm working with you know my company i'm working with another company freelancing i'm networking with them i'm putting myself out there showing my work my worth so yeah it's a really crazy beginning of the year and um yeah we'll we'll see where this goes i remember i actually booked i'm going to la next week but i had booked this flight to la how much did it cost <laughs> actually it was 150 dollars. what I know. That's why I booked it on JetBlue at the time. Why I was able to do it is because I'm flying on random days because like, I'm not working a nine to five where I have to fly on a right, Sunday, right, right. you know? So I, and it's funny because I ended up losing some money rebooking this flight and changing my mind a hundred times, which I never do. But I, this was my deadline flight, right? So I said, I'm booking this three, it's three week flight or three week time in LA. And I was like, I'm just going to, no matter what, I have to quit because I'm leaving to L.A. Right. And I didn't now that like three week in L.A. is seven days in L.A. because I have to come back for projects I like want to do here. Um, so my 150 ended up being like 300 total. Um, but that makes me feel better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, I also used points on that. That's also what I got $50 off from points. But anyway, um, so I, yeah, it's like this business decision that I had to make of, uh, I have these plans. I had this deadline, this deadline trip and I was going to go to LA to just, I love LA by the way. And I, I want to move there eventually. And I was like, I'm just going to go there to like discover my purpose and like really plan my life. And no. that is how and everyone ends up in LA, right, by the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then now I'm like, no I'm, shade to LA, but let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to LA for seven days just to escape the winter. And I have to come back swiftly because I have a project due. So yeah, because you're in New York and yeah. that's that New York hustle. <laughs> exactly. So here I am back in New York, but a very long story, long way of saying I made all these things in my environment in a certain way where I even bought a desk over the holidays and built an office space, which is like 
a corner like two by two but because I needed to force myself to push myself yeah and that's just my personality and knowing like even the smallest thing like having a tiny office space forced me to sit down and say I am my own business I am my own boss now yes Yes, and you're investing in yourself yeah and that is the one of the most important tenets of manifestation is that you have to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to invest. You have to commit to what you want. Um, I am also a huge proponent of speaking your truth, mm-hmm. of of saying what you will to the universe out loud, telling other people because it creates accountability, mm-hmm. number one. And then two, it's like, the universe will respond with direct messages, you know, like it resp- it, it texts back. <laughs> it's not going to leave your manifestations unread if yeah. you actually send them out there. So it's sometimes the most embarrassing thing. You know, sometimes it feels really like vulnerable and silly and like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like you feel like a dork being like, I want to make $300,000 and people mm-hmm. are like, okay, honey, like whatever. But mm-hmm. if you say it out loud, I, it, you will. Yeah. It's just, it's as simple as that. It is how you will. It is how magic works. It is how people manifest and create intentions. And when you make the investment to be like, I'm going to build this desk area for myself. I'm going to book this trip to LA. I'm going to leave my job. Things will reflect that back. You know, you'll get back what you put into things. Yeah. And I started, I mean, I love self-help books. I just, like fill my mind with all these mantras but one thing I read last year that really stuck with me this is like um you know if I do this or if I I just stopped using if I started saying when yes so everything that I've been saying as it relates to my career my personal decisions I'm like when I when I and I put myself mentally in that state where that was the only option so I was like moving myself in that direction by the words I was using, by the environment I was with, the people I was surrounding myself with. Um, you know, some of the jobs I have right now, these freelance gigs and consulting jobs are through people I went back to make a connection with because I just loved working with them professionally. And here we are working together again, but a different way. Mm-hmm. So just like manifestation only works if you put in your part of like putting yourself in the right area. And yes. I truly believe that the universe will take you in the direction you need to go. But you just have to put a little bit of work into it yourself. Yeah, I would say that it's you got to collaborate. With collaborate, the yes. It has to be a equal parts uh, partnership because I mean the universe is not going to be able to just you're not just going to be able to ride on luck. I mean this is why people uh, when they win the lottery end up in in debt mm-hmm. and, and not just ten thousand dollars in debt, but like real fucking debt, mm-hmm. take away your house kind of debt because the universe is not going to be able to sustain um, its force without you working with it. Mm -hmm. No, I totally believe that. So are there any sort of closing thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners? Any manifestations you want to put out in the universe right now? It's a great question. Well, I think just in the topic of social media, I I'm truly, again, just a champion for using it, quote, the right way. So just a couple of things that I always like to tell people, like revisit your relationship with social media. Check out your suggested feed. If it's if everything you're seeing in there is things you don't really want to click on, then are you following and engaging with the right people? Mm-hmm. Like do a social cleanup first. 
figure out, you know, if you're scrolling endlessly through your newsfeed without liking or commenting on the things you're seeing, why are you following those people? Are you following them for the right reasons? So just really revisiting and cleaning up your space online will help to then start to build a better relationship because everything you're seeing will be exciting to you. Everything mm -hmm. you're seeing will be for growth purposes. Everything you're seeing will just be, you know, great. So make sure that you're using social media for the right reason and connecting with people. Use it to discover. If you're thinking of traveling, social media is a great place to find inspo, not just Instagram, Pinterest. So reminding yourself that the reality is we live on our phones. It's a digital world, but it's on us and our responsibility to use it the right way. I love that. Yes, that is a really great and very doable mm -hmm. action item, I think, for people. Yeah. And I mean, I think one thing I'm, like the last thing I want to manifest is I hope that this year is open-minded growth because I'm just so used to having a plan and <laughs> our Virgo. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm. <laughs> um, but I think not having a plan and just existing is cool too. And that's something I've been telling myself recently is like, existing is hard work so totally. <laughs> it's really hard to keep yourself alive <laughs> so is. you know i'm working on just keeping myself alive and giving myself love so that i can grow in in whatever way the universe wants to take me so i'm just really trying to keep an open mind and i hope that i can continue to live that way this year um i i had just told someone like i'm not building anything right now i'm just doing because i want to do that i want to enjoy being i want to enjoy like my craft, then I can revisit and see if I can build a, a, a 10 person company out of this right now. I don't want to think about that because I think we're in this like goal, you know, goal culture. Like you must have a 10 year plan, five year plan, five minute plan. And I kind of just want to be for now. I love it. Yeah. That is a wonderful and very um, much needed perspective yeah. in a world where we need constant plans and also for you with your chart i'm yeah. happy to hear that i feel like that is a that is a brave step oh yeah i mean <laughs> vulnerability all these things i'm like these are new concepts to me but. i love it <laughs> it suits you well Yay. well thank you so much for being here um this has been wonderful and uh where can we find you so you can find me uh easiest places instagram by my name lisette calv calvera was too long um but yeah, I mean, connect with me online. I love, I say like the DMs are the best place because that's where real people are talking and engaging. So hit me up and let's chat. I love it. Okay, amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.